Welcome to I Just Don't Know, a podcast where we try to learn something new, challenge my opinions and hope to make the misinformed informed. I can openly say I've spoken when I did not need to, been unnecessarily controversial and shared my misinformed opinion thinking it was not. In this podcast, I'll try to right some wrongs and take on a new topic each episode that I think I knew, but in fact, I just don't know. This episode is all about conversations, asking questions, drawing out the most interesting answers, and making a connection between two strangers in the shortest amount of time. I am, of course, talking about interviewing. Interviewing is a, as people might say, is an art form. Is it is it an art form or is it just uh, natural uh, capabilities of certain sort of people in their, in their social skills that they are naturally strong interviewers? Well, I don't know. Well, I'm going to explore this uh, in more detail. Um, but uh, to start off in this podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit more about my experience with interviewing and what I think I know. Uh, and uh, as we go on, I'm going to explore how perhaps I'm wrong and where I've made the, the assumptions that I shouldn't have. Uh, so in my point of view, uh, interviewing is all about asking questions the right one, um, being prepared with sort of interesting questions that cover the topics that are relevant to that uh, to that person. Um, so yeah, and then arguably, if you look at interviewing on TV and on the radio, it looks fairly straightforward. Um, and you look at the likes of what Graham Norton, who's been doing it for a very long time with that uh, with that show, and Jonathan Ross uh, with his show as well. It looks pretty straightforward, but arguably it looks very scripted and uh, well prepared because it, of course, is not live uh, really anymore. It's got a live audience, yes, but it's not live on TV. You have the the greats from the past that are before my time, so Parkinson, uh, and uh, you have a load of famous interview interviewers in the US as well. Um, I think Letterman is the I think it's very famous, and then you have all the, the different Tonight shows. So overall, interviewing is a huge part of 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 TV, to be honest, um, a huge part of podcasting, uh, which of course is a, a very important thing to me, and uh, and something that I've really enjoyed listening to, as as I've mentioned in in, in my previous episode, and, and why I'm trying to set up my own. So interviewing is everywhere. I've realised, and that's why. I actually wanted to do this uh, episode and look at how interviewing is is viewed in different parts of the world and how perhaps my, what I thought I knew about podcasting uh, there are areas that I'm that I'm missing uh, and uh, not just podcasting sorry about interviewing. Um, so another area that I think uh, is important to to interviewing is the ability to listen. Uh, and to make sure you focus on what uh, what they're exactly saying, and uh, really responding to the answers you are getting from the person you're interviewing. So overall, some very sort of general general bits there. But I'm c- going to compare that to what I've found out in my research and what I found out from different different views and see where I've missing there. With regards to my experience. 
in interviewing. So my job in in the uh, sort of the investment world, investment research world, requires a lot of interviewing. Uh, over the years, I've spoken to lots of different interesting people, executives and CEOs uh, across different industries, and I've had to really sort of ask them questions to get out all that interesting uh, material and, and knowledge that they have so I can actually sort of match them with if to see if they're actually re- relevant to my clients and help them out. So I could argue that I do have a lot of experience interviewing uh, in a professional sense, but to be honest, I will be, I think I have clouded my judgment a little bit on how good I am at interviewing because I've become good at one type of interviewing over the phone in a set time time scale so in a very specific way yes I could say I'm I'm quite good but in the rest of interviewing as a whole I've st- I think I've there's a lot to learn and and I'm making a number of assumptions I'm glad I've said that word assumptions so over the course of this podcast I'm going to really keep an eye out for when I've made an assumption and sort of flag it and highlight where I made an assumption. And hopefully by the end of this podcast, I've learned something new and I've realized I shouldn't make that sort of assumption. And thinking back now, that reminds me of something when I was in the army cadets probably about 15 years ago, when they planned for every little bit of detail in there in their plan uh, when they go to set out a, uh, a recce or an attack on a building or something, anything they have uh, what are they called actions on and actions on you plan for every possible scenario and so you know what to do if if the uh, if that happens whether it's it's complete failure or something very strange happens you need to think of every single action on possible and I remember now doing those plans uh, thinking of sort of strange ways uh, that it could go wrong where people could get lost or someone could trip over everyone could fall into the river the equipment could fall into the river the equipment could be lost all sorts of different things but I remember the instructor saying never assume so I'm glad that's popped into my head because this podcast and I'm going to try and do it going forward when I have assumed or I feel like I have made an assumption and I've been corrected by my research or hopefully in the future by someone else, then I will call it out and I'll see how many times in a podcast I've made made an assumption. So the first, uh, another bit of experience that I do have actually is interviewing um, other people for jobs and I've applied for lots of different jobs in the past and I've been interviewed myself and I've actually and I've interviewed people while at work. I've done it in New York, I've done it in Hong Kong as well, so I've seen that sort of slightly different cultural approach to how interviewing for a job works. But again, going back to what I said about what what I do at work, that's a very specific way of talking, a specific way of interviewing. A quite a strange way of interviewing to be honest when it's for a job. And I think there's a lot of material out there um there's a guy that i listen to to sort of prepare for a couple of interviews uh, on youtube that i do follow he's a local guy in um i think he lives down in kent he's got a youtube channel big guy bold 
wears a suit, very sort of, I think, former military. Sort of loads, he puts out loads of material on onto YouTube about that uh, and about preparing for interviews. But I don't think that's a natural way of interviewing. Uh, I think that's a very specific way um, when you're when it's for a job. So I want to venture down the area of interviewing in general to get to know people and how to ask the best questions or how to conduct yourself and how to get the best answers. Because going back to the example of interviewing for a job, you don't necessarily in it for as the interviewer, you don't, it's not in your interest necessarily straight away for the interview to give the best answer. You want to find out if they're good enough and if they're not, then that's their fault. Ideally, you do want to hire that person, but at the end of the day, you want them to mess up if they were always going to mess up, or if they don't have the experience, you want to find that out. So, so let's move on to the area of interviewing that I actually want to look at. So I did, I, I sort of found a very general um, article on, on sort of how interviewing is very important. Uh, and one of the biggest things that I, that I, that came up was about first impressions is is always a big thing uh, and and i will i will touch on this again but first impressions are so important when it comes to uh, how especially if you are two strangers how you then interact going forward and i found it an interesting an interesting uh lady she's in uh she does radio in india in fact and uh she she has some interesting ways of of how a conversation should go, but also an interview. And uh, she has six areas that she suggests. And, and I'd say when I when I first uh, sort of looked at this article and and, and watched and watched her sort of her presentation on this, it was interesting because this is from a perspective of of a radio talk show host in um, uh, in, in in sort of India and and the Middle East. Um, and uh, how that perhaps is different, but I think it's very difficult to to know exactly how how that will be interpreted without the experience. I've never never been to India. I do hope to go to go it one day. Uh, but uh, she said, first of all, it's all about the first word floodgates. She called it. So that's interesting. Like I'm thinking, if you think about when you last met someone who's a strange uh, sort of a stranger or someone you didn't know before, it feels like. In London here that we're doing it every weekend as everyone is going out these days a lot uh, and meeting someone new each weekend and uh, she had a she had a good sort of way of describing it she called each relationship or each person you meet is like a link and the more you meet and the more quality time you spend together that link gets stronger so you'll think about your family and your close friends they are the strongest links you have but every time you go out there and you go talking to new people at the bar or at a social event or even at work with with new joiners coming in all the time at the moment especially here in london you are building more links and you create a web of of relationships and some are just very fleeting and the link might break with very little strain some are strong but were strong but over time they sort of rust and eventually break and they're the ones that you hold on to the most, that keep you really grounded. 
So I, I quite like the way she described it. Um, but the first word floodgates is how you actually bring that link to the fore and how do you actually start that relationship. And she said it's just so important to just get that first word out. And I think back to uh, when I was a teenager and I was nervous to talk to girls and you're trying to find your feet and when you're 40, 13, 14, 15 and how do you actually talk to strangers after obviously years when you're growing up not to talk to strangers? Well, in reality, you have to just start somewhere and it's really difficult to remember where you started but everyone did start pretty much uh, not knowing where to start and, and your first words when talking to a stranger some people take a very long time to pick this up I think I was quite lucky I uh, was within I think a fairly good age I was okay with strangers that I knew didn't really matter if it went wrong or it didn't I wasn't going to see that person often so uh, you could say I would talk to that person and uh, sort of with more confidence if there was less downside um, or I didn't have any investment in that person necessarily so it could be a customer at the cafe it could be someone I know I'm just helping like a stranger to find someone's house or number on a street but maybe if it was someone that I did want to get something back maybe it's a new friend on a, on a course or a, a girl I liked or something like that then the nerves started going uh, so first words she said so important just get them out just say something once they're out you then the ball is rolling but if you don't make that first word and I'd say thinking back I got I've got pretty good at not just myself but actually encouraging others to speak because I think when some conversations I have uh, in a group there are a few quiet people and that's absolutely fine being quiet but sometimes these people are really really interesting and so I do sometimes just try and get them to say what does you know, Dave what do you think of John because Dave hasn't said anything for a long time and perhaps he does have something interesting to say I have definitely been called up on that being a bit annoying but I think I think I learnt it back in cadets when we were being marked on on this sort of thing and um, we, uh, we we had to be seen as bringing the team together and including everyone and getting the best out of each person so anyway so the next area she, she mentions is try to skip the small talk so we all know someone who just loves the small talks chit chatting I think when I think everyone's sort of granddad or dad or or parent or um, I know anyone who sort of lives in a in a small community they'll love a little chit chat small talk how are you doing how's the weather you have it at work as well and sometimes it's absolute it's infuriating because it's just such a waste of time and you don't really gain anything from it but I think I found out I think a few weeks ago I was in the office and I just found out very briefly a quick conversation about where someone had come from in their commute very very boring conversation but I would never have met that person while working from home because they're in a different team. And now I have met this person. We both know where we each live. So the next conversation we have, we don't have to talk about that. We might talk about something else. Or I might say to say to that person when I next see them, oh, I was in your area the other the other day because uh, I know where I know where they live, and I went to a cool bar or uh, a nice restaurant. So actually, small talk 
you could say is 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 quite good to just get that ball rolling for those sort of um, relationships that you don't need to create straight away. But anyway, let's move on to the next but she said. Finding some common ground, I think that's uh, very important. It's something I I do often do. I think the classic thing with a with a with a guy is you try to find football. <laughs> do you watch football or do you follow? So who do you support? I think who do you support is such a go-to question in a pub with a group of guys that might maybe not know each other or you have to meet one. A new guy has joined the group. You're trying to find some sort of common ground. I think the classic thing is uh, I, I follow rugby um, and then you don't really know to follow that because it doesn't get as much coverage. So very difficult to know that. Um, but overall, that is uh, that is that is an interesting one. Um, okay, so let's keep keep it moving there. Um, she, interesting, she says. Uh, so this is how you sort of you create that relationship um, is to find a unique compliment. Uh, and this, this is something that I perhaps need to work on, and I I have heard of before. And I think I do try to do occasionally. I think after a few drinks, but I try to pick out something that's quite unique, and especially. Um, Living with or living with uh, with a girl and living with and seeing how much and my friends that are girls that put a lot of time into into what they wear and my my mates as well who, who do the same or they get something new. I think it's really important to pick out that unique compliment. But actually, this is where I've made an assumption. There you go. I think that's one point for the the assumption tracker. I assume that I need to find something that's new about the person. I need to find something that's new that they're wearing, something new that they're doing, a new haircut. But actually, maybe a unique compliment isn't that. Maybe it's a description of how they behave that is something they perhaps haven't heard of before or is unique. And I need to not just always focus on what's something new about them. Unique is not always new. So I think what she said is that, oh, you when you smile, you smile with not just your with your mouth but your eyes and your face and your body and your whole all of you is just smiling and, that, and that's a, it's a very sort of bit it's a bit cheesy but uh, that's a really u nice unique comment that she, she used and I quite like that okay so let's move on to the last few points that she said how to build that relationship especially for it for an interview the fifth one is asking asking for opinions and getting and finding that uh, space to share opinions and she was quite general about this um, this uh, and uh, she, this radio this radio host um, Alavika Varadam and uh, she this is the where she said that this point five this is where you can talk about the opinions that you might share you might disagree on she was she didn't cover this in great detail but we're going to talk about this in a minute in a bit more detail and the last one is be present a bit of a cliche saying and something that especially I, i've definitely talked about recently after sort of in the last few five months few five few months um because what what does that even mean Cause it's very difficult to plan and uh, i think over in uh, when you're in lockdown and uh, the only thing we could do is be present and deal with a day at a time so how do we put that into life as it comes back to sort of relatively normal um, so be present again she was a bit vague so I've covered a quite a general article at this stage just to kick things off but now I want to sort of venture into some more interesting bits that really got me um, sort of thinking and really challenged some of the areas that I 
what I think about interviewing and in general building a relationship with someone sort of in a short time space. So the first one was the, this guy called Mike Donkers who did he did a TED talk uh, about four or five years ago. He's a radio host in California and uh, I really liked really liked what he said uh, about this. He said, is, is interviewing an art? He doesn't think so. He thinks it's basically talking without talking. And overall, his message was just shut up. <laughs> just shut up. That was the big part of his 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 art his TED talk and message, and I quite liked it. It was it was humorous. It was funny. Uh, he had a really nice quote in it uh, from uh, Ralph Emerson, which is "Every man I meet in my is my superior in some way, and in that I learn from him." So a really nice quote that you need to remember that when you meet someone, there is, there is something that. You could learn from that person every time, whether it's someone living uh, in a in a your neighbour, it could be someone who's living on the the street, even it could be someone from another another job or another uh, sort of country, um, someone from down the road in another town, uh, it could be someone on a course from another part of the country. So it's a really nice way of looking at it. But going back to uh, Mike. Mike Donkers here, he he said the most important thing to do to get you through the interview, um, uh, well, to do before the interview actually, is just to do some preparation. Know who you are interviewing is the, to the basic courtesy. And don't be don't be arrogant and not and to try and wing it and not actually know anything about the person you're interviewing. I I, I get that, I understand that. Um, very, very general. Of course you're doing preparation. How you do that preparation, he didn't touch on. So I would personally, I would try and know what, what that person's probably trying to plug, know the, a little bit of background. I think some, I assume some interviews, oh, is right, assume point number two. A lot of people try to find a lot about the personal information. And so you can ask personal information and get really down to the stuff that people want to read and get ready for the, for, for the consumers to sort of jump on anything that's personal. But I'm probably wrong there, and I think uh, in reality uh, you should do, and they do, put more um, preparation. I think I I read this uh, again, is that they do a lot of preparation uh, about uh, the product itself that they're doing and, and making sure they know it in great detail. And one funny thing that uh, he said actually was uh, the sort of the best interviews just copy the interviews before and their interviews just follow-up questions on the answers that person gave before so I think that works quite well so uh, um, that's I can understand how that might be so if someone's pr uh, promoting a movie or something um, they can then and they answer oh the movie uh, really sort of was very difficult and I had to get really prepared for for, with lots of training, don't ask what did you have to do to prepare for the, for the interview. You say, well, tell me about this training that that uh, you had to do for the interview. So you're sort of cheating by using someone else's answers before. But isn't that the same for everything? Uh, that's very similar to, to the type of work I've done in the past, using the work that's been done before and working on top of that. And But he said the question you want to get from the person you're interviewing, this is your goal, is how did you even know that? That's all you want them to say. 
And part of me feels the only way to, you're going to get someone to say that is you found something out that they didn't want you to know, or you've done your research and found something from the past that they've forgotten about. So I, I'm not sure if I agree with that, but we'll see. I don't know if you guys would agree with that as well, um, but no. Uh, the He then gave advice about how to get through the interview, and he said, firstly, icebreakers. They work. They work in everything. Just something basic, trivial. And this goes back to what the small the small talk. I think icebreakers are really important. Getting people to introduce themselves, talk a little bit about themselves, that they give over information that is completely irrelevant. Such as, so what did you study at university? Or where did you grow up? What type of, sort of what was your upbringing like in, 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 that village or in that town or what, what's your favorite food or what's your yeah, perfect menu perfect meal random random things like that it does work just to get things going find that common ground second thing he said listen but again it was a bit vague about that what is listening uh, i think we will, i will touch on that in in a bit and thirdly it's shut up again <laughs> he says he said shut up quite a lot just stop talking that is how interviewing is more um well that's how it, that it's done it's talking without talking and I, and I did like that he then talked about something called dead air chicken it's like that it's that silence that you need to just wait and this is something actually i do in work quite a lot and i something that is a big part of the when it comes to the money being okay with silences and i think i used to be good at this i think i'm just i'm struggling recently to deal with the silences in group conversations after i think just lockdown in general and I, i'm going to talk about this in a bit as well how i operate in social situations and how anyone's operating social situations being okay with stuff like awkward silences that becomes with confidence and time and and I think, I think because everyone's playing catch-up, socialising, uh, it's let I, I've, I deal with it less and less, and then maybe maybe others are, are as well. Um, but dead air chicken, it's quite a funny way of describing it, and being okay to wait, and the person you interview is so desperate to have some sound or something to fill the space, they will say something and give you content. So it's quite a good, interesting thing. And then the last thing he covered, which I which I really liked, was being interested in everything. And he used a very sort of business sense of the ROI of being curious is almost infinite. If you are interested in everything the person you interview is saying, you can go anywhere and you can get so much back. They say they have just bought bees and they want to start setting up bees. Be interested in how to these work and uh, how did you do that how did you set it up who did you call how much did it cost what are you going to do with it how what are you going to call the honey you're going to make so being interested I think this is something that uh, I, I will I can look back at to why I'm actually doing this podcast I'm used to be so curious about everything and occasionally especially at university about everything generally to do about history and because that's what I studied and I'm trying to explore different areas that I didn't know about. Like there's almost an infinite number of bits of history everywhere or every time. 
uh, and so I'm always learning something different and I do do that occasionally I found some of the YouTube channel I think it's called History Matters fantastic channel that I recommend to anyone that t- could teach everyone basic history in a very short space of time with some great sort of cartoons to go along and but I, well, overall the problem is, is that I think with work and being curious at work and always trying to learn there and find new challenges and think how do I build a career and how do I sort of explore things attention span to be curious about other things and learn new new skills and in the last especially sort of in the last four or five years has been has been difficult in comparison to when you're growing up and I think that's fairly natural you have less time you want a new downtime your mind is sort of tired you're mentally tired you don't necessarily have that energy to go exploring and be open-minded but there's no excuse for being tired you need to get out there and keep your mind going uh, that's what I, that's what I think recently I think uh, it's very easy because there are so many options for downtime now whether it's indulging on food or getting food delivered or indulging on Netflix with the infinite number of shows uh, or the other platforms Amazon and the cha- channel 4 is my favorite to be honest um, and BBC and there's so much out there you can indulge on that and uh, whether it's sort of games or um, or uh, the worst thing is obviously your phone and social media indulging on that and just sort of letting your mind go numb for a bit and recharging the batteries I think if we recharged our batteries more consciously and focused on sort of things that were better and uh, more quality, more quality time, and therefore we had would have more time to be curious about other things. But I don't really know the answer to that. Maybe that's one one for another another podcast. But I was really interesting way he finished on that, which is just be interested in everything because the ROI of being interested. And being curious is almost infinite. So yeah, so great, really great article and, and, and TED Talk by Mike Donkers there. You can check it out on YouTube. Uh, but the last one I want to touch on is a really interesting uh, TED Talk again and, and article uh, that I've seen three times actually over the years. I've really, I didn't realize I'd already watched it. Um, is is from a radio show host in the US, um, from Celeste Headley. And... Uh, she really breaks down what is a good conversation, uh, in particular, what is sort of a few things you need to do, but challenges some of the norms and challenges some of the things that I touched on earlier. And uh, and this is where we're going to finish, well, carry on going on the, on, the, on the second half of this podcast. So what she says are, the world is very challenging in the last sort of 10 years, in particular, when it comes to discourse and talking and topics uh, the joke she makes was that weather and uh, well, the I think it was My Fair Lady the a good conversation is sort of weather uh, and but then we have climate change so we can't even talk about the weather these days without touching on sort of difficult topics and overall it's we are in a very divided world. There's lots of divisions, but I argue that this is this is natural. The world does always divide, and people go into different groups and different and different tribes. This is this is nothing new. We've been doing it for hundreds of years, 
I think when you're in it, it seems more extreme than it really is. Sometimes it does tip over the edge. Uh, but again, when that's talk, we're talking about realist uh, realism there and uh, some realist uh, sort of politics and uh, power politics there. So well, I think that's not really <laughs> relevant to this uh, to this topic. But no, keep going on on this article. Really interesting one. So the focus, the, the few points that she mentioned that uh, before she goes into her 10 points that she wanted to show was that conversation needs to be balanced. Um, but if we're all divided and we can't talk about topics without disagreeing or arguing with each other, how can a conversation ever happen? We're always texting each other and not really speaking to each other or listening to each other because conversation requires compromise. And I really like that one. Conversation requires compromise because it does. And she's going to, she broke down it really nicely what that actually means. But to have a really good conversation, you need, to, both parties need to compromise. Um, whether that's talking or the topic or the or the opinions so the classic the classic thing she's she's disproving here that's uh, you've were probably told when you're younger and I was definitely told was you need to do things like nod and acknowledge that you're listening I remember being told by my parents that because they thought I wasn't listening and so like make sure you're nodding but then if you nod too much you look really like you're winding them up and you're annoying them uh, maybe smile, like be positive and and show them that uh, that you're you're listening. Okay, uh, eye contact so important to just look at the person. That is brought up so many times, and you brought up on TV shows. Eye contact is so important, and repeating what they say and and uh, breaking down and summarizing what they've just said. This is so important. She says, so Celeste, this is absolute rubbish. These things are not listening these things are not the key keys to good conversation they're absolute rubbish they are natural if you are forcefully doing any of those things you're, you're not listening because you shouldn't need to show that you're listening that's the point that is overall number one thing about listening you don't need to show that you're listening you're either listening or you're not because you need to be active Interestingly, though, she does say that the reason why we do struggle to listen is that a human can speak 225 words a minute. I, I thought that was... I might have to challenge myself on that one. But we can listen to and hear 500 words a minute. So if that's the case, what do we? there's a bit of a space there, a gap attention span that we need to fill with something else so that's why when we are speaking or, or listening sorry we are trying to we can try multitask we do a bit of both but you're not really listening if you're, if you're filling that the sort of remainder of that attention span but i think maybe her logic's a little bit flawed there but i, I can see what she's trying to say um and then I, another good thing or interesting thing she mentioned about speaking and uh, I didn't really think about it this way uh, I definitely made assumptions that there we go another assumption is number three when people always like talking they always like talking and they're really loud it's because they just feel like their point is not getting across or and they are naturally just loud or they're trying to they're a bit insecure about something 
And that's right, but actually she broke it down that one level lower. When you're speaking, you're in control. And humans love to be in control. If you're speaking, you don't have to listen to anyone. If you're speaking, you don't have to worry about someone else. Sort of, well, you don't have to worry about listening to other people. You don't have to. Your the spotlight is on you if you're speaking the loudest. So I always think about those conversations where people are just shouting, talking to, over each other. None of them are listening because if you're speaking, you can't listen. So yeah, really, really interesting. I think um, so. She to segue into sort of her key key areas was uh, the fundamentals of listening and good conversation is setting aside oneself. So a nice sort of way of looking at that. Um, but yeah, to, to actually very similar to what I just said there, her number one point was don't multitask. Don't let your attention fall into other things. And I, I'm really going to actively do this, I think, um, going forward. I know I've tried to do this. <laughs> I know I. Uh, the funny one is that I uh, lock my phone when someone talks to me or walks into the room um, or uh, comes to talk to me. But actually, I found out that it doesn't look like that doesn't look like me trying to be not rude and try to actively listen to them. It actually, looks like I'm hiding something. So <laughs> be careful of what that means about trying not to multitask. Um, but yeah, I get that. Uh, number two is don't express your opinions. Keep your opinions to yourself. Listening is is all about them expressing their opinions and talking about their perspective. If you're trying to get your opinion in, then you're not really listening. Unless they ask for it. That's what I was thinking. Thirdly, open-ended questions. So not the, did you feel angry? Did you feel annoyed? Be more, so how did you feel? Where did that go from there? Or how you, did you feel you might deal with that situation? Try not to bring judgments. And I was actually doing a, a session recently at work where someone was doing this, actually. He was, he was describing everything that he thought this person was going to do. Well, he never actually asked the question of how they actually felt and what they actually thought. He was so hot, he was so determined to prove that he knew something about the topic. He didn't actually ask any questions. So actually, this is so important: the open-ended questions and letting the person you're interviewing describe and use his their adjectives, adjectives and their descriptive words instead of your own. Fourth is going with the flow. Try not to go sort of steer the conversation to to sort of left field in the wrong way. Uh, I think the really important one here, and actually similar to what I do at work, is being able to guide the conversation when you are interviewing or guiding the conversation gently, not sort of diving into new topics. Um, and, and that's something that is, is, is challenging, especially if you need to guide it and you haven't got much time. But going with the flow, I think I need to try and do this more. I'm going to actually try and do this definitely more on Saturdays when I when people are talking about things that I don't quite know about or don't really aren't really relevant to me, rather than putting it on a topic that I know. And this is perhaps where it's conflicting with finding common ground. If I don't have common ground with it, then it's not common ground, but maybe I need to be a bit open to that. But yeah. The fifth thing she said was if you don't know it, don't say it. If you don't know something and this is the whole point of this podcast, it's interesting she touched on this. If you're if you don't know something you mustn't pretend to know it or uh, or fake it. And she said how on radio, you're on the record, you're being recorded, it's out live. 
So if you do say something that you don't know or get it wrong, you will be called out. I think in conversation, this is a big, big problem because no one is accountable of what they say. And I definitely do this. And this is why I'm doing this podcast to try and improve my ability to or stop myself from pretending to know something in a conversation. I think I always say, mm, yes, yeah, yeah, I know that one. Or even the worst thing is when, oh, do you know this film? And yeah, I think I've watched that one, but I haven't watched it or I haven't heard that song. Or I don't know that song and I can't help do it and it's really bad I think it's a habit I built from when I was younger because I don't want to look stupid in reality to be a good listener you have to be honest with what you know and don't know uh, and so number six uh, is don't equate yourself to their experience so if they've said something ter- terrible's happened to themselves don't try and compare it with something terrible that's happened to you And I think this is another tricky one because you're trying to find that common ground. You're trying to empathize. And I think empathy is a very tricky way, a very tricky thing as well. But trying to, and, and, but I think it is very obvious when you shouldn't be doing this. So, oh, if someone, my pet is is, is sick or ill, don't say then your pet is sick or ill as well. Because everyone has different relationships with their sort of close pets or family or things like that. Um, So, yeah, an interesting one. But it's a fine line between empathy and and not doing this. Uh, so number seven is uh, don't repeat yourself. I think this happens in conversations when people get frustrated or want something they, they want to get their point across, saying the same thing. Uh, I think when someone asks me a question, they don't hear me, and they ask it again, and they ask it again because they didn't hear me again. That is very infuriating. So I completely get that point. Number eight is stay out of the weeds. She said so. Don't get into sort of the nitty gritty. This is a difficult one because on Saturdays and on the weekends, you always want to talk about something that's a little bit funny and a little bit controversial. But here, this is me assuming again. So number four, I've assumed that I, because I find that interesting, and obviously in like reality TV, the nitty gritty of of the uh, of the details and when they're controversial anyway, people love that. Just because I love that, I like that, doesn't mean other people do. Um, but on the positive side of this phrase thing, saying out of the way the detail, I do like the detail. When someone describes where they've been at a restaurant, I want them to try and describe the entire atmosphere of the restaurant, not just what they ate and where it was. I want to say the, the color of the the the, the ambiance, the color of the the tablecloth, the the was it the sort of the aesthetic in the in the actual restaurant and. The, how smartly the the waiters and waitresses were were dressed, and how big the kitchen was, and and uh, just the whole feel of it, and um, I so I like those details. But anyway, uh, so the but then the ninth uh, and tenth thing is so the ninth one is just to listen and and just to listen. And she said the number one skill to learn is to listen. And I get that, and I agree with that, and something I've really been working on for the last five years at work and uh, because a big part of our job is to listen to to people listen to our clients listen to these um our, our sort of executives and experts that we speak to if you're always talking to them we don't know anything so if you need you need to be listening and listening if we go back to mr mike donkers is to shut up and, and just talking without talking um so being present and not trying to think about what you're going to say next although that is very difficult not to do that really listening to what they're saying, waiting, 
And I think something that I've done, but actually winds people up sometimes. Um, I assume it's the right thing to do again. That's number five. Um, is when I listen to someone, I listen, I hear what they say, and then I wait a moment to think about what I'm going to say next. But in that gap, I sometimes wind them up because they're like, you haven't responded to me. It's, it's because I was thinking. So I think it's a strange one, really, because I'm trying to listen, but actually, because it's so strange behavior, because I'm not sort of integrated it into normal behavior as well as I could, it can sometimes have, but it can sometimes backfire. But hey, I'm, I'm trying and I'm continue to try. And then the last one, she says, number 10, is to be brief. If you're interviewing someone or you're in a conversation where it's all about listening to them, don't give long answers. Don't give talk for too long. Keep it brief with what you want to say and keep it brief to what you need to say. Actually, let's rephrase that. And I quite like that. Um, but everyone does like the sound of their own voice. And so that's a very different one to do. I think if everyone doesn't tries to listen then how are you ever going to get your opinion across? But this is where, again, I've assumed, so I've hit it for six there, uh, assuming that people need to hear your opinion to therefore make a judgment call. When I was listening to uh, sort of Celeste here talk about this, being a good listener is great and it does give you progress. And she made a very good point. No one's been fired for being a good listener. Or no one's sort of upset anyone for being a good listener. Um, but people judge each other and if you don't present each yourself and be slightly impressive especially in work anyway or in in or in social events and you actually make an impact on someone by talking to them or doing something that is is, is sort of not memorable but you need to say something sort of poignant sometimes you do need to really work that out and and talk that out and be and stand there and say something thoughtful so again um, my number six assumption there I think that's done by saying something meaningful and 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 speaking up and and being confident enough to challenge something but actually in reality maybe it's not maybe I need to be listening maybe I need to listen to uh, what they're saying and I would actually know what to say because I've actually listened rather than listening partly getting some information from it and but always being prepared to respond and then saying something that I've been preparing for the whole time and I think is impressive and people are going to remember it or people are going to realize that I know what I'm on about and to be honest thinking about it going back to when I'm pretending to know something in a conversation it all boils down to me not wanting to look like I don't know something because my intelligence was my strength it was my leading thing and it always has been so I need to face that I'm not the smartest person. I don't know everything. I have my strengths and I know some things better than others. But pretending to know something is so much worse than owning up to it. And I can be a whole lot more impressive if I don't prepare what I want to say in advance or think it through while I'm listening to someone, a really interesting point or perspective, and, in react and stop and actually listen to that person. And I might actually say something that is more memorable and actually makes a better impact on the people around me. So overall, I think that's sort of is a nice way to sort of finish it there. I need to, what I've learned here is that I mustn't assume a number of things really when it comes to interviewing people and, and, and listening and having a good conversation. 
Try. The biggest one though is that don't try to pretend to know something and don't prepare what your response will be. Don't listen to respond. Listen to just listen and just shut up and don't talk. I will get a better or make a better impact on people's lives and make them feel different and better and if I just listen more and take on board what they've said rather than always trying to say something that is that is interesting and be willing to speak so yeah um, really interesting few bits that I've talked about um, thank you so much for listening if you ever if you do ever listen to this this is my second attempt to a podcast uh, it's been thoroughly enjoyable I feel like I've I've approved approved on the last the last podcast. Um, I'm excited to do another one when I when I can. Um, but thank you so much for your time, um, and uh, I look forward to, uh, I look forward to doing the to doing the next one. Thanks everybody. <laughs>